0: Snow. You're recording, aren't you?
1: I had to get that. Come on. (laughs) Hey, you gotta know me better by now. The
0: Mighty Snow. (laughs) And
1: by snow, we mean flesh.
0: Right. (laughs) So, the reviews seem to be in about Fifty Shades of Grey that it's mediocre at best. And probably worse than this that it's not very hot.
1: There have been reviews that have said that th- that range from that are just mediocre um, to that the the filmmakers try to do the best they can with the material given, which... Which was, doesn't seem like a... Which was Twilight fan fiction originally. Well... And, and I mean, now we could say that as a good or bad thing, but this was bad Twilight fan fiction. And um, there are reviews ranging from, oh, okay, it's, it tries to do decent stuff with it, to it's the worst film ever made.
0: Alright, I would hesitate to say that. I haven't seen it, of course. I have not because even... and because we have seen some terrible films. But let's talk about something I said about two weeks ago. What did I say about Fifty Shades of Grey?
1: I'm not sure
0: I can. I recall. said that it was going to be a disappointment. I well, predicted that.
1: Well yeah, well
0: Not just as a not just as a narrative, but also as also as erotica,
2: basically.
3: Why am I here, Christian?
2: You're here because I'm incapable of leaving you alone.
3: Then don't. Why'd you send me those books?
2: I thought I owed you an apology. For what? For letting you believe that I... Listen to me. I don't do romance. My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand.
3: Enlighten me, then.
0: I predicted that Fifty Shades of Grey was going to, was kind of going to fail. I didn't want it to fail, because... You mean in terms
1: of what the film was trying to be?
0: I I thought... Because
1: the the box office is in, and it made, like, $80 this weekend.
0: Right. Uh, It's obviously a financial success. But what I was going to say, but what I meant was, when I thought it was going to fail, was that it would fail as a piece of erotica. Exactly. And... I realize there, there are
1: multiple reasons for this, by the way. Not but, just... I
0: wanna, but I want to, but I want to point out the big reason okay. is that it's a rated R film, and in a rated R film, you cannot show a penis.
1: There you go. That's you... one reason. Yeah,
0: and you can work around things like that.
1: I can think of a. Be- I can think of an even bigger reason than that, though. All right. Which is the fact that when it comes to erotica, when it comes to, and I'm talking about not like and we might t- and we're going to talk about some films that are real films by directors who want to say something about human relationships through sexual experience. Well,
0: let's but, not assume anything about the intentions of the fi- directors no, of no, 50 no. shades. I no, mean, no, but I mean though
1: but I mean but but a lot of people picked up 50 shades of gray. Maybe not all of them, but a good lot of them picked it up because hey, here is like acceptable erotica that i can read outside of the internet outside of the internet outside of you know like literatica or something but when you read erotica you picture things that you you get an image of something that ultimately if when you put it to film it will still you really have to work hard to match that image that you get in your head
0: what you're saying is is that it's subjective
1: it, th- yeah, that's it's a highly
0: subjective experience
1: like what what people find sexy is yeah very subjective and like every person that read Fifty Shades of Grey whether they liked it or they hated it they got a particular image from what E.L. James was pointing out also the fact that they again yeah as you said had to make it a raid R and tampered the erotica didn't help either but there is that element of you know what your mind can conjure in terms of sexuality, is always going to be more powerful than what you can put in film, unless if you're just really <clears throat> doing something different. But we could talk about that later.
0: Well, I technically you're right, but I mean that's the pitfall of every book adaptation. You can. I'm
1: talking more about the sexual experience.
0: But I don't think that's much different either. You can make an, a, an an arousing film, no matter what somebody intuits from just reading it. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't. But the fact that this was a film based on a very popular book, and that it was ha- would have to reach a wide audience, meant that the te- the sex was going to have to be toned down yeah. a lot. And you also had and you movie. can't ha- you can't widely release an NC seventeen movie.
1: Yeah. At the same time, uh, you know, you also had, and I've heard people argue that the book isn't this, um, that it's more about like an ab- that's an abusive relationship that is trying to be this, but they said you know. It's a BDSM uh, sort of narrative, or, yeah. or, it's, or it's supposed to show that story. Even though I've read a lot of arguments on the internet that say, no, that the story that you read in this book uh, and what they present in the film, this is not how BDSM works. It doesn't have that same sort of, uh, you know, submissive dominant uh, sort of delineation that really makes sense.
0: Well, you know? yeah, but especially
1: t- if, if you're taking After Twilight. That is also a very abusive relationship there between Edward and Bella.
0: You uh well <laughs> let's try not to drag Twilight no, into no, this. Well I, uh, I can't help
1: it. That's how it got started.
0: Right. But
1: you know, if you if I made if if there was a movie called like hypothetically here called like Fifty Shades of Pony, which was like my little pony erotica, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: have you been reading my internet history
1: <laughs> oh let's not go there man but alright but what, what did you want to get into though with this
0: well let I, I do want to talk about the idea of of erotic films because there have been a few uh, oh yeah that, there, have been,
1: well, there have been many of
0: them uh, fantastic but I want to get back into some something about ratings in general yeah, I. You cannot show. It's very difficult, to say the least, to get an R, to get a a rating where you can be.
1: It's it depends on the context.
0: Yes, um, but very often I find this to be not true. It's kind of and weird. let's talk.
1: Like I've seen, the two times I can remember actually seeing a penis in American film fairly recently. Um. Were actually comedies. Uh, there was this movie for getting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. And there's there's kind of like a gag where like Jason Siegel's told by his girlfriend, you know, I'm dumping you, and all of a sudden like he has like this sheet after he's taken a shower, it drops and you see his penis. Right. It's like ha ha very funny. And then I think there's a scene in this other movie where a guy just randomly shows his cock and that's funny. But and yeah, I think also funny. if it's if it's funny that usually is allowable, like Black Dynamite. You have uh yes what happens to the anaconda malt liquor guy Yeah uh, but yeah when it comes to erotica the rating board has a problem with the penis
0: So let's get into some um, another movie that I saw this week uh, a week uh, about 2 weeks ago a okay. film called Hysteria Have you ever heard of Hysteria the movie Mm no. Okay. So. Well, it's a fascinating story because it's about the invention of the first vibrator. This sounds back during the vict- back in Victorian England, hysteria was kind of this Wait me- a minute. It was this mental, it was this kind of catch-all diagnosis for problems with women.
1: Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yes. Okay, I have seen this. Yes, wow. so you know
0: exactly what I'm talking I, about.
1: Wow, I, don't, I can't believe I forgot about this. Now, that the, was a good movie. Yeah,
0: and the, tr- the traditional treatment for this was to to, to masturbate a woman. And yes. <laughs> and in this movie, uh, it's, a, it's a romantic comedy, and it's a great romantic comedy. Well, it
1: involves, like, their, it's a medical office or something, right? Yeah. They're like trying this, trying to help out women this, who are having hysterical yeah,
0: problems. It, it's this meta, it's this doctor's office where the doctor's only job is to, is to manually stimulate women to bring them to orgasm, to treat their hysteria. And this young doctor who's brought on, he's, he does the job and he does a, a fairly decent job, but he sprains his wrist because yeah. they're so busy. Right. So he invents the first vibrator. Mm-hmm. And, I noticed, and here's the thing I noticed, as, even before the film started, it said, rated R for sexual content. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense in a film about the invention of the vibrator. Yeah, uh, but, I, but then I decided, well, let's see how far we go. And I started to take a tally. I took a tally of all the violence, all the nudity, uh, all the swearing okay. that was in it. And I went through the film. By the end of the film, I had one check mark where one scene of violence where Maggie Gyllenhaal punches a cop. There's no nudity. There's no swearing. There's no nudity? There is no nudity. You don't see anything because the women's, their genitals are covered by this curtain, which was like a a real life Victorian innovation.
1: Okay. That's, that's true.
0: Thanks. thanks Right. There is, there's There's nothing. And it's the tamest movie you will ever see, and the oh, it could have easily been PG. But the reason well, it not, gets the I,
1: I don't know about
0: PG. It sh- it could PG have 13? been, maybe. But nah. but I mean, there are PG like here. I took a tally when I was well. I took a tally when I was watching Milk. That's another R-rated film. Like there are four violent things that happen in that, like
1: isn't there like a lot, isn't there like curses and stuff yeah,
0: and i like i have like nineteen check marks for for vulgarity, mostly words like queer and dyke and things like that, and a lot of fucks and things like that uh and then like there are only three incidences of nudity and like one incidence of incident of drug use mm. now like that seems typical for a rated r film, yeah, but hysteria has none of that. And the only reason it gets an R rating is because it's about sexually pleasuring orgasms. women. It's yeah. about orgasms, and it's about vibrators.
1: You, you need to... Have you seen This Film Is Not Yet Rated? No. Then you have to check out this film immediately. Go and... I'm, like, ordering you to check out... Well, I will, because I want to find out more because, about ratings. Because the movie... This documentary uh, done by Kirby Dick, uh, this came out... Uh, Several years ago, but it charts like the MPAA and it charts about the inherent hypocrisy when it comes to uh, depicting violence versus sexuality. Yeah, violence is infinitely
0: more tolerable in American films than sexuality.
1: Yeah, and it it goes to disgusting degrees. Like I remember um, I remember uh, Corey was telling me about how like when she was taking a plane to uh, Peru on the inline flight, they had uh, Watchmen.
0: Oh.
1: And, uh, like, if you watch the opening of it, and, you know, they had the whole opening fight intact, you know, with the commune fighting, which is a pretty brutal fight. Then they go to the opening credits, and there's this shot where it's, like, Times Square and, like, these two women kiss. Yeah. They cut the kiss out for the in inline flight.
0: Oh, man. So,
1: America just, they, there is a problem with just depicting sexuality in a healthy way I and think especially movies, non-conventional sexuality I think that there, there was a period maybe in the you know when uh films in like the late 60s and 70s started to uh first get made that you know after the code broke down and you could make r-rated films you could even make x rated films you know like like midnight cowboy got an x and last on paris which maybe I'll, I'll talk about in a minute um
0: fritz the cat
1: yeah, well, for Fritz
0: the Cat, uh, Beyond the <laughs> Valley of the Dolls.
1: That was rated X. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Russ Meyer, when he found out it, it got rated X, wanted to go back and re-edit the film so that there was more nudity, <laughs> sex, and violence.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, but the point is, yeah, there was this pocket of time where uh, American movies were allowing for
0: this. But, the, um,
1: there, but, that's, that's, but that's that's gone now because of like Americans have just tightened up about it. But it's been that way for like a long time, and this but this documentary showcases about how even just like the suggestion of sex gets these MPAA people up in the tizzy.
2: Jack Valenti's been very good and publicly about we serve the public, we serve the parents, we serve, it's like crap, they serve the studios. That's who pays their bills, that's who they are. I mean, they are the studios.
3: Orgasmo!
2: When we did Orgasmo, which was completely independently financed, they gave us an NC-17. You know, we got this phone call with the MPAA and the guy would basically say, uh, it's for the overall sexual content. I said, was there anything we can cut out to get an R? Um, you know, you're welcome to recut it and send it back to us, and we'll certainly look at it again. And their whole position was, when we did this film, was we don't give specific notes, because then we'd be a censorship organization. We just give you the rating. And cut to five years later, we're doing the South Park movie, and now we're working for Paramount, a big studio, and we turned in the first cut of the movie. And we get a phone call, and uh, you got an NC seventeen. Well, he need to cut out this, this, change this to this, 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 and it was extremely specific. This word, this line, this joke. So our treatment was, was a completely different experience. No one knows. That's the whole point. That's what's really odd about the whole thing. That, in an industry as big and as public as this, that there's an organization that is like the supposedly accountable to the public that is run in such a shadowy way.
1: Because they think like. They they think that the, they are representing like the moral majority of America. But you know what? Now the moral majority is so different. You know, I mean, for one thing, porn has changed everything. People can go online in a moment and see. Porn things is much more far, accessible than, more than it accessible used to be. Far more accessible than it used to be. I mean, when I was younger, that used to still be the sort of uh, keep it hidden under your bed in a p- paper bag, you know, sort of thing that's sort of hit, like, or maybe you go to a store and if you're lucky, you can buy a tape for like 40 bucks or something. Oh,
0: and it's the back room in the video store.
1: Yeah. But now it's times have changed. You can go online and watch something much kinkier than what is presented in 50 shades of gray. But I, it's, I, I don't know what, like I, I get what you're saying. I think, um, it's it's a kind of weird the other problem too which also the documentary points out if a, a movie can get an NC seventeen that's fine you know yeah. say go ahead and get your NC seventeen but then there are a lot of theaters that just won't play an NC seventeen movie right you won't get well advertising might be different now in the internet age but there was a time where you couldn't get advertising for your movie if it got an NC seventeen um i I can't remember if I've ever seen an NC seventeen movie in a theater in New Jersey. I've, I I've certainly seen, haven't. I have I think maybe... I, I I didn't see it in New Jersey. I think that Requiem for a Dream actually got an NC-17, by the way. Um, and, of course, that movie has the ass-to-ass scene, so maybe that was... Clerks by.
0: originally got an NC-17. NC-17
1: for language. You know it was a fascinating thing? I was watching a, a, a documentary, or some kind of interview with Kevin Smith about that movie, Um. There's actually a moment where, uh, like, there's a customer that's getting offended by uh, a conversation that yeah, and Tim Randall are having about their thing, and Randall holds up this magazine that shows a woman's vagina, yeah, spread eagle. Um, <laughs> the NBA doesn't ha- didn't have a problem with that, but they had a problem with you know all the talk about low jobs and yeah. other sexual content, or you know also the fucking dead guy. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> but and finally they got it appealed, but they had to hire like Alan Dershowitz uh, and represent them in the media, and finally they got overturned. Right. Uh, Zach and Mary make a porno, also got an NC-17. Um, occasionally, a movie will get an NC-17, like for violence. Like I think movie uh, Casino got that, but yeah, there's just something with that rating, which. Like it, it got invented because they wanted to change the stigma of the X. And there was a period in the 90s where there were very interesting movies, independent films, that did get that rating. And so you still had that rolling around. But now, I, I can't remember the... No, I, you know what's interesting? You bring up the whole thing with Penis. The last film I think I can remember seeing that got an NC-17. And I might be... No, actually, you know what? I think, you no. Know, I have to revise my thing about not seeing uh, an Finish 17. your first thought. All right. Well, the first thought is the movie Shame. I don't know if you've heard of the movie Shame with I Michael Fassbender. I think I did hear about it, yeah. It was this movie, Michael Fassbender uh, plays a sex addict uh, living in New York City. Uh, in that movie, he he shows his wang. Yeah. A bit. Um, you know, a pretty nice wang. They mentioned uh,
0: that movie in the, in the review of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey
1: that you read yeah i it
0: was on the it was on roger ebert.com yeah well, that and really they were talking about everything. how tame 50 shades of gray really is compared to a lot of films like uh, they said in 50 shades of gray basically all you see of the penis is pubic hair and basically the base of the shaft and you barely see it yeah and but they said yeah michael fassbender showed his like every chance he got in the <laughs> shame but
1: again though yeah but as you said though that yeah that got NC seventeen it got, it got a, more of a limited release. The movie that I forgot to mention that I did see this in New Jersey. The, there was a movie that came out last year uh, or not last year but 2013. Uh, Blue is the warmest color. Yeah. Which was a French film. You want to talk about that is an erotic film that is that's you know what that's. I should revise that that shows real eroticism mm-hmm. in a pretty raw way and yet. Watching the movie, yeah, there is a pretty long. There are some long scenes of female sexual interaction with uh, other females. Well, two, the two female characters having oh, sex. Oh, okay. Um, I forget if there is there is like a heterosexual sex scene too, but that movie could have been an R. Like there, there, it's not. And that would movie, I think, actually, the IFC Center in New York City, um. Let people let in some people to see the movie uh, and told them, you know what, like if you're a teenager, you can go see this movie. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Um, but and, let's... Especially the NC 17, why would someone who's under 17 at this point not be able to see this movie versus, you know, why should, you know, in theory, you can bring in Jack, a little kid to I, see I,
0: I've lost your train of thought. All
1: right. Let me, let, let me try to reestablish it, then. What makes... Why... Is it is it more dishonest that... You know, a movie like Fifty Shades of Grey, that should be more of an adult film. That should... It should have gone for the NC-17. Now it's at the point where a parent can bring their five-year-old kid to see the movie.
0: Theoretically, yes.
1: Theoretically. Is that... Is that more wrong than not giving it an NC-17?
0: Well, con- it's about content. Hmm. Now, let's talk about what you said. It has, uh, with a lot of comedies, wet show penis. Yes. You said it was about context.
1: Yeah, perhaps there was that it- too.
0: Now, let's get it back to hysteria. Okay. Because I said it should have been PG. Well, PG is, oh, that's PG-13. Let, let's, let's, <laughs> fine. I'll give you PG-13. Yeah. Context should have dictated that it got a PG-13. Yeah. No, because I, I so. not, in addition to being a tame movie with no nudity, no swearing, uh, it is a very good movie. It's a fantastic romantic comedy and it even it's has fun. and it even has all the clichés of the romantic comedy. I do, yeah. The the the, the goofy friend, mm-hmm. the uh, the woman he's going to marry but it's not right for her, for him, the 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 other woman who they they don't get along and right. and the father-in-law who's just who's kind of stuffy and kind of a, a kind of a bother. And it's even got a courtroom scene at the end. Yeah. But it uses all these clichés really well because the characters are written really well and they and it's not a stupid plot
1: it doesn't pander
0: no it doesn't pander at all if 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 the if the mpaa was really honest about context hysteria would have gotten a pg-13 rating just like that
1: oh absolutely
0: but no it's everyone is so shy about sex that even approaching the idea of of using the vibrator as the as the crux of the plot, yeah. or having this be about uh,
1: just the word vibrator, like they think that will put people on edge. Yeah,
0: which is ridiculous. Yeah, because lots of people who are normal people use vibrators, men yeah. and women.
1: There's a one. And... There's one moment. It's funny you mentioned. There's like a. There's just, just like this one little moment in the movie. Uh, there's something about Mary uh, like Matt Dillon is sort of eavesdropping on Cameron Diaz and like her female friends. And they're sort of talking at one point, I think, uh, Cameron Diaz just says, uh, I got a vibrator and Matt Dillon, like he kind of (laughs) chuckles, like, (laughs) and like gets their attention. And he tries to like, shut up. Yeah. That's America.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that is, it's, you hit it on the head. I mean, you feel like,
1: well, that's all, that's all about. There's a show that I watch, um, on uh, Showtime, the show called "Masters of Sex," which is all about the uh, the 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 tales of uh, Masters and Johnson trying to right. conduct their sex trials uh, to try to introduce w- in a clinical, scientific way what it's like for people who have sex. Yes. And the very first time that Masters, like in the the sort of end of the first season, uh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> I hey, yeah, I gave spoilers that time. Uh, when masters reveals uh, his sort of, the first sort of part of his sex study you a to a bunch of scientists he shows some footage of you know he took a he got a cameraman to show the female body what happens when they are having you know when they are masturbating and when they are trying to the, the different levels like there are even things like uh, plateau climax come like there are different levels that he was trying to chart that had never been scientifically looked at before. And the scientists watching it were completely aghast and kicked him out of the university for not even... This sh- is
0: highly <laughs> unorthodox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that sort of mentality still uh, persists. It's it's very... And filmmakers will even... They'll put in, actually, now more sex stuff in the first cut they give to the MPAA
2: it's just two puppets in sexual positions doing and the whole joke is that's what kids have done for years take your G.I. Joe and your Barbie and look at they doing, you know the first thing that came back to Paramount was you can have missionary and her on top and that's it and we were just like that's not a joke that's just like two that's nothing that's two positions you can't even make a scene out of that we purposely left in stuff that you don't even want in the scene because you have to give them something to cut so they feel like they pissed on it somewhat. So we left the sex scene just, we put in basically every second of footage we cut, it's a like four-minute like sex scene, it's just ridiculous. It is not the way it should have been cut, it was bad, you know. it's not even like, good for the movie. And we ended up shooting extra shots that we didn't even want to put in there, that we just put in there. Um, you, you push the line way back, so maybe they only cut to here, kind of thing.
1: To the MPAA, Knowing that they're going to have to cut stuff out, yeah, uh, like Trey Park and Matt Stone did that for—I'm not kidding—a sex scene with puppets in Team America: World Police. They put in more crazy sex stuff between the puppets.
0: Pioneers in sexual cinematography.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. So the point is, MPA kind of sucks. When yeah, comes, well, especially when it comes to sex versus violence and what they allow um, in an R-rated, you know, movie with. Lots of death and destruction, and you know people getting killed. People, it's like as if that that part doesn't matter. It's as it's intimacy that gets people more embroiled because there you're actually oh, that, having yeah. a connection in that way.
0: Yeah, uh, it's. <laughs>
1: Do you think that maybe there's some kind of religious connection to it? Well, like there there are pure, always there are
0: there are always religious people who who com- who protest about sexual content yeah, in, in, in any medium. Yeah. Uh, that hasn't changed very much. Uh, I would argue that American sexual tastes have, have become more liberalized as we go on. You know, the, there is greater ex- access to pornography and erotica. Uh, and it is a little more openly discussed, but not openly enough where people where it affects the movies. Um, but I mean, I have to find out more about the MPAA. I have to see this. So I have to see the movie. movie. Uh, but Maybe let's we, talk about some successful erotic films, though. Yes, I uh, Fifty Shades of Grey deals mostly with. Uh, BDSM,
1: well, 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 a form of it, a from form that, of it, now, not, but my,
0: although whether it's accurate or not is up to debate.
1: Now, again, I still need to see the movie. I've, I've read, I've. It's one of those movies where I don't think I'm going to see it in the theater. I feel like I see should it see it point.
0: in order to be able to judge it. Yeah, but I have. Well, read, I, I that I definitely it. do have to see it to judge it. Of to, course, to judge it faithfully, should, but
1: that's that's actually a, a small problem. I feel right like, like now that's going to criticism the people criticizing things before they watch it, whether it's this or American sniper or other hot button movies. Right. right.
0: Now. I mean, we have to, it's absolutely clear. We haven't seen it.
1: No, it's not clear. I haven't seen it, but I can just say that from what I have read about the movie and listened to about the movie, and I have read and listened to a lot of reviews because I've just been kind of fascinated more by the sort of how this is even a phenomenon that apparent in the film, apparently it's, um, they don't really go that much into the BDSM. It's like maybe yeah. very briefly. I heard that. Uh, it's, they, they Like he, the character Christian Gray brings out like the sort of like a belt and sort of does something for a moment. But then
0: I have read that there are two scenes, uh, two prominent scenes where uh, one is where he spanks uh, Anastasia Steele twice. Yeah. And then another one where he, he hits her with a riding crop five times. Yes, and now, uh, and there is there are s- uh, sexual shots of him uh, penetrating her, but it's like once the penetration starts, the the camera zooms up and away from the action, and all you see of it is a reflection of it on a mirrored ceiling. As
1: as, jo- as Jamie Jordan, I think, said in an interview, "You don't see my uh, tallywacker because <laughs> he's actually Irish." Uh, um, and by the way, just as a quick side note, uh, this. It's weird that this weekend I, I watched this show on Netflix called uh, The Fall, which ha- I watched it initially for Gillian Anderson, but that guy is actually in it, Jamie Dornan, who huh. plays Tr- Christian Grey, and he's actually really good in the show, so I don't want to put him down as an actor before I see the movie either. Right. But when we talk about BDSM, there are, I think, two films that are cornerstones that people should watch you know, before they check out Fifty Shades of Grey. One is uh, Belle de Jour by the yes. great Louis Bunuel, and the other is the independent uh, dark comedy, Secretary.
0: Yes. Secret- so I tell- love Secretary.
1: Now, but let's first talk about Belle de Jour, because this is sort of like the the film made before people really, maybe a lot of people even knew what, uh, you know, dominant or submissive was. Mm. You know. Now, the thing is, now, do you think, though, it's... Primarily that, or because the movie is really I, about how Catherine Deneuve becomes a, a call girl.
0: Yes, I don't think it has. A, I I don't think you element been, comes up. It has a sort of masochistic uh, element to it. I. It's not explicitly. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Uh, Catherine Deneuve plays Severine, a newly married woman uh, who has yet to have sex with her husband. They sleep in separate yes, beds. Yes, that's right. And, and her husband is just, is just this very nice guy who's like, okay, when you're ready. Uh, <laughs> you
1: but know, it's not like the kind of thing where, uh, you know, usually when you get these marriages where people don't have sex before they're married, the idea is, okay, now we're married. Let's have sex.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can officially get started. But uh, uh, you're
1: dealing with Louis well. Uh, who, you know, <laughs> you, you know a, a guy who was raised Catholic, and spent his career in part ridiculing the church. Yeah. You know, this is another sort of part of that.
0: But uh and Severine she just it's not that she it 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 she has these fantasies about being tied up and be and whipped and having mud slung at her and just being abused by her husband. And that seems the, to really turn her on. The
1: opening really illustrates that.
0: Yeah. And it's a really well directed and, uh, and kind of erotic scene, depending upon what your tastes are. Uh, it's a,
1: it's a pretty disturbing scene, but it's, oh, also... it's not really disturbing. Well, There's nothing really of graphic of, about it. It's kind
0: it. of funny. It, it is funny in that surreal Buñuel sort of way. Yeah. Uh, but then eventually she finds about out about the existence of this brothel near her home. Yes. And one and she she slowly gravitates to this place and becomes a part-time prostitute. That's right. Uh and that's the thrust of the movie. She she has these So to speak don't you <laughs> naughty hey
1: it was open i took
0: it uh, and and it's about her sexual encounters with different customers and some and some of the odder jobs that she does some of them
1: are i remember a couple of <laughs> odd ones yes. man. wasn't there a, like an the, asian guy in
0: it yes there was an asian guy <laughs> we don't even see what he does to her but the next time <laughs> the next shot of her is just like passed out on the bed <laughs> as yeah. after the guy's left uh, but he uh Oh, I love that one part. Uh, just before the Asian guy goes in, he he's yeah. about to pay uh before he has yeah. sex with her and he brings out this kind of like credit card thing and and the madam of the brothel says, "No, we don't <laughs> accept the Geisha Club card." <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. A,
0: a weird moment of comedy even in a Buñuel film. But uh and that's, that's, the, uh, that's the story of Belle du Jour, without telling you too much about it.
1: It takes, but what I like about that movie, though, is even though it's kind of mocking sex in some parts, it's not exactly, it's not really mocking her. It is depicting someone who's having this uh, problem and is trying to fulfill it in some way.
0: It is about her sexual fulfillment. <clears throat> because as nice as a guy as her husband is, it's she... Well, yeah, he is kind of a sad, but it's about her fantasy that she wants someone to dominate her, yeah, and she finds that domination in the brothel, whether or not this is realistic is not the point uh it's it's yeah uh it's about basic fantasy fulfillment and about irrational fantasy because that's what uh, this surrealism and what Buñuel is all about yeah you know irrational desires uh-huh. that you can't explain or justify
1: yeah
0: and you can argue that for a lot of films like even if 50 shades of gray even if it's not faithful to an ideal of what BDSM is yeah it can still be sexy because of that sort of irrational desire. Yeah, well, that, um... Unsafe fantasies that you can act out or you can see on a screen, and that you, or, but that you can't do in real life.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what you're making me think of just now? Sex. Um, ooh, man. No, um... <laughs> uh, you need more of a Barry White voice now. Um, I... You just popped into my head, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Which is a movie that is about erotic fantasy and desire and about how a woman who, you know, reveals to her husband, you know, what, you know, she had this very potent fantasy of possibly sleeping with a man. And abandoning her family. And she didn't go for it. And yet she had this fantasy that was so potent. And,
0: and, completely by, and completely irrational.
1: Completely irrational. She and sees by,
0: this navy officer in a like vacation resort, and like from the and the moment she sees him, she has this thought of if he comes up to my bedroom, well, I would not turn him away. What
1: I love about that, and even from even from like the very first time I saw that movie, which was like God, when I was like fifteen, I think that's a ver- that's an under very relatable thing. I think people in even if they have secure marriages, they will have that sort of thought where, what if I did go for it? What if I just decide to fuck that person and have desire? And so the rest of Eyes Wide Shut, well, not all of it, but a good portion of that movie is Tom Cruise trying to catch up to her desire, trying to find some sort of fulfillment. And then he winds up in this... Orgy in Long Island.
0: In a way, he's trying to act out the very thing that she she did, like She's to try like, to get even. In a way, he's
1: maybe trying to find that woman who, you know, he'll have a connection with. Yeah, uh, but or even that sort of fantasy ideal, and it leads to some really
0: bizarre,
1: dark, bizarre situations,
0: uh, especially to, you know in that in that last scene where uh, where they do she where he does get to that orgy. Uh,
1: um, yeah, it's a. Uh, by the way, that's another movie that um, uh, that you know that got R rating uh, when it came out. But you know, at, and Kubrick died before, I think before they made these changes. They had to actually digitally put like or, or orgy people like in their black <laughs> clothes to cover up um. sexual intercourse. It wasn't until maybe six or seven years ago that they finally put out the unedited version on DVD. Oh. Huh. So that's... I, mean, I, I hope had, that's the
0: version I saw. Well, I borrowed it from you.
1: I believe it was, I'm going to say. I had both versions for a while. Like, the version they put out on DVD first was that. I mean, it's still... That's a very erotic film. Yeah. That's a, that's a film that, you know, Kubrick gets away with a lot. <laughs>
0: Well, it's because he's Stanley Kubrick. Yeah,
1: he's like I'm Stanley Kubrick, and you're not.
0: We would be foolish to think that a re- director's reputation doesn't affect the way the MPAA treats them.
1: Yes, no, that's true. I, I have to wonder if he he probably. W- I wonder what he would have done though if he had been alive to to face that. Because what we saw was his director's cut, except for that.
0: Yeah. So. Which you could argue is a very minor thing. I mean, yeah. of, of all the things in Eyes Wide Shut, it's uh, it's probably not for a the least prominent movie, thing.
1: For a mainstream movie that got released on thousands of screens at the time with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, that makes Fifty Shades of Grey look like Twilight. <laughs> Touche.
0: Chased. Yes. yes.
1: Um, but let's talk about Secretary.
0: I saw this only a few months ago, and I was really glad I did.:
1: Yeah, okay, because I thought you would watch this with us, but I think I don't think you were there.: No, that I night.
0: wasn't there that night. Uh, but, uh, I watched this on my own.
1: But tell me what you think of this movie, because this is something that I, I enjoy this movie.
0: It is another one of those romantic comedies that that tackles sex in in a humorous way, but also it's a really well written film, kind of like uh, Hysteria is.
1: If you took well, if you took the if you took the whole uh, BDSM element out of Secretary, it would be about you know a kind of nervous guy in an office trying, you know, what is he. It would be. And his secretary, are they going to have a romance?
0: Yeah, it would be about an overbearing lawyer and his kind of damaged good secretary.
3: For referring me to your case, the subject of animal captivity has been of interest to me for quite a while, and my secretary has prepared research material that I think you will find illuminating. If you would be so kind as to send me the June 5th letter of which we spoke, my associates and I will review it immediately. Please feel free to call me at your earliest convenience. Yours sincerely, E. Edward Gray. Again. Dear Mr. Garvey, oh. I am grateful to you for referring me to your case. The subject of animal captivity has been of interest to me. Mm. Yeah. for quite a while and my secretary has prepared research material but i think you'll find illuminating
1: and of course you get jane spader in there and he's uh
0: yes james <laughs> james spader, james spader being J- james spader
1: there are no strings on him
0: <laughs> sorry but i just he, saw the trailer again yeah but it is uh i don't kn- remember how much nudity it is in it they it has one it has one clumsy humorous sex scene and uh I think there's another sex scene which is not played for laughs. There's there's masturbation in it, uh, again with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Uh,
1: She's not afraid to do that sort of stuff.
0: No. And uh, the one thing I always wonder about, and the one thing I'll ever I'll ask uh, I'll ask James Spader about whenever whenever I meet him, is to ask him if he really spanked Maggie Gyllenhaal over that desk.
1: I feel like he did. Yeah, it seem fake. What I love about that scene is when it first happens, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's sort of unexpected. But then as he keeps doing it, you're like, "Wow, yeah, this is actually happening."
0: The reason I I have re, I have reason to doubt it because you, there are two angles you see it from. You see it from over James Spader's he, I, shoulder, I, I, I and I've you see seen, it from.
1: I remember seeing a wide though.
0: But uh, I don't. I don't remember that shot. You see it like in front of Maggie <laughs> Gyllenhaal but you don't see james spader's face above her but you do hear it yeah you, like someone is obviously spanking her I just want to know who
1: I should look it up and
0: put that it out for you but that was hot <laughs> that was a hot movie
1: they went for it yes that's like
0: they I mean, went for it
1: the uh you know the, when you see a movie actually go for it that's really it's fascinating to watch it unfold I mean another I mean the first movie that I ever got to experience about that uh, was Last Tango in Paris, which mm. also got an NC-17, um, you know, kind of, you know, one of Marlon Brando's great performances. And that's a movie where they they go for it in some disturbing ways. That was the first time I think I really saw anal sex depicted in a movie. Um,
0: that wasn't Deliverance.
1: Well, no. Not, not in a and yet it's weird. In a romantic well, way. Well, it is still disturbing, yet it's also erotic still. it's Because what happens is, uh, Marlon Brandt, you've probably heard, uh, Get the Butter. <laughs> I think you have. That's from that movie. Because he uses a tab of butter to.
0: Lubricate you know,
1: himself. Uh, yeah, well, lubricate the, the, the butt and, you know, get in there. And it's like a mix of both being a very disturbing and yet still kind of erotic scene. Because at some point, she, like, you know, he's still kind of going for it. And I mean, in that, in that movie, what really struck me, what really had an impact on me is that you have these two characters who meet in the beginning of the movie and they don't really know each other. And they just have sex right away.
0: And I uh, think Roger Ebert said about Last Tango in Paris that it was all about real estate. That, about <laughs> two people who had to share an apartment. Yeah. And in order to come to an understanding, they had sex with one another. Yeah.
1: Well, I, uh, yeah. It's funny you say that, because, I mean, that was, uh, that, a little bit of that was the jumping off point for my movie Green Eyes. Yeah. And in a way, you could say that that was, uh, my movie all about, like, you know, like you say, like, a real estate deal. My movie was all about, like, a drug deal.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but, uh, but yeah, and that's, again, an example of him going for it. I mean, there's also a scene in Last Hang on Paris where he, uh, like, Marlon Brando asks the woman in the movie, uh, Maria Schneider, to stick fingers up his ass for pleasure. Yeah.
0: Um, Which you shouldn't do like... without lubrication, by the way. Take note.
1: No, there shouldn't. But there's a lot of, the sort of idea of erotic, like, I'm gonna purge myself emotionally of stuff, and that was what was so powerful in that film. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, because if you take away any erotic element from Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. I and mean, what are you left with? Now, say what you will about the story. I mean, there's been a lot of backlash yeah, there's against a story in that movie. <laughs> there, there's there's a, there's been backlash against it, like like there is against anything popular.
1: Yeah, I will say Pop- this. I. I read so there was one critic uh, this guy Matt Singer who posted this uh, article that I found interesting after reading all this bad press about the movie that did make the point that okay, you know, 50 shades of gray might not be very good. If it is so successful as it's going to be and it very likely will be, then Hollywood likes to repeat stuff. You know, we may get more films that deal with sexuality and human relationships. Some of them mm. might be bad. But some of it might be good. And we get an alternative to the usual actions, comic book blockbusters that we just keep getting now.
0: That is a valid point.
1: Yeah, so I, I do, I, have I to do take that hope. Into now, who knows if it'll actually happen. Right. But it would be nice to see that. where
0: We can hope and push for a more erotically explicit movie in the future.
1: Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, you could say, is weak tea. Yes. But it's a start with weak tea. Um, To bring up a few other movies, though, Um, uh, I don't know if you had any others to bring up first, because I had sort of... Not right now, you can go ahead. Uh, Well, one of the other big ones, back in the 80s, what a lot of people have brought up in relation to Fifty Shades of Grey is the movie Nine and a Half Weeks. Um, This is also a movie about sort of a a controlling relationship. Uh, Mickey Rourke was uh, the, the lead in that, along with Kim Basinger. Uh, back when they looked very normal. when Mickey Rourke lo- it's uh, they did a uh, when
0: Mickey Rourke looked handsome they did an everything, like he did an Angel Heart
1: well they well they said uh, well I think the guy did the everything everything wrong with this movie video the Cinema Sins guy he commented wow Mickey Rourke looked normal
0: <laughs> um, so you he had, didn't look like a potato yeah
1: well that was a movie about this relationship which apparently my of all people my mom told me the book was Like, really hot stuff when that came out. And the book, the movie wasn't as good as the book, but it did um, try to get at this relationship, which was mostly defined by how good the sex was between them. (laughs) Um, Maybe part of the cinematic appeal was just the fact that you had these two, you know, very good looking people doing that. I'm sure that might be the sort of thinking behind uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh one of the other things by the way, with the Fifty Shades of Grey, originally Charlie Hunnam was supposed to play the lead. I don't know if you know who he is, but he I, I know lead. his name. He was the lead in Pacific Rim. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he could have been that guy. <laughs> um now the interesting thing in the nineties, um, I uh, you had actually with the NC seventeen rating, but also with a number of other movies there was sort of a spat of time where eroticism was explored. Um, there was a movie that I saw. This isn't even on my list, but I just suddenly remembered a movie called Henry and June, which explored uh, the relationship between Henry Miller and Ines Nin. And you can imagine, you know, the writer of Tropic of Cancer and Ines Nin, who wrote some pretty hot stuff. That's a yeah. pretty sexy movie. Um, I actually own that. Um, Uma Thurman also is in that. Uh, you know, you talk about preserving someone when they're young. Yeah. Like Angelina Jolie and Foxcatcher. Fox Foxfire. Fox wow, well, I almost called Angelina Jolie Foxcatcher. God.
0: Um, fire Fox? Had, no, Foxfire. Yeah.
1: There you go. Um, then you also had Basic Instinct, yeah. which had.
0: I have seen Basic Instinct.
1: That was an, that's an interesting movie for. In the case of, I think people also compared Fifty Shades of Grey where. Wow, you know, remember Basic Instinct? That was a hot movie, and that was where you had, uh, of course, you know, the iconic shot of of uh, Sharon, Sharon Stone, Stone flashing her vagina. Yeah, at at Poro uh, Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what I love about that shot isn't necessarily just. Uh, Sharon Stone's, you know, that, that, that smile well, she's on her making, face when she does yeah. that. But it's like all the men's reaction as if they're like seventh graders.
1: Yeah, like they've never seen it <laughs> <Yeah>. before.
0: <laughs> yes, you're right.
1: <laughs> they're all like, they're all completely their
0: thrown. On. Yeah. <laughs> but that was kind of a trashy book if, if the movie is to be believed. Yeah. I, I got the feeling while watching it that this was like that it was like some sort of bestseller that was yeah. like <laughs> yeah. that, that it was some bestseller that was just really hot at the moment mm-hmm. that, and then it, it had gotten a deal just like 50 shades of gray had. Sure. Right. Um,
1: but, uh, now there, another movie that to bring up, uh, which I have to wonder if this was sort of the movie that might've killed, yeah, not killed, but it, Really put the NC 17 rating back a long time as far as, you know, we'll consider this movie as an actual big budget movie that can be rated this, which is Showgirls.
0: Well, Showgirls also, is exploitation. also exploitation.
1: Well, yes, but there's a lot of sex in that movie.
0: No, but. Uh,
1: but do you think yeah, that's a. There different is a
0: lot category? of sex, but, like, think about.
1: It's not treated seriously.
0: I don't think it's necessarily that's treated seriously. It's like. It is an exploitation movie. It's examining the life of a showgirl in the yeah. in the most sordid way possible, mm. and that is the essence of exploitation. It's certainly not a good movie, mm. and I don't know if you could claim that that put it back, but I mean.
1: But I think well, people. Well, you had the same team like the guy like Paul Verhoeven and Joe Esterhaus also made Basic Instinct, so you had that team coming together to make. This big budget, you know, spectacle that hey, we have an NC-17, and you know what? We're proud of it, and it's a piece of shit. Yeah.
0: Maybe not. You I have a know. you have a good point of that about that. That maybe there is some hubris involved. Hmm. Uh, I don't I don't know if that necessarily points to show, showgirls ruining NC-17 for everybody else.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe so.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: one more, a uh, couple more movies. Uh, one of uh, that. Uh, Boogie Nights, which is an interesting movie because you could say that unlike Showgirls, that's about
2: exploitation. Okay, let's get a good one.
3: Do you want to practice your lines with me? No, I know it. You look great, honey.
2: Thanks. Um, does he want me to keep going until I come?
3: Yeah, you just come when you're ready.
2: Where should I do it? What do you want? Wherever you tell me.
3: Well, come on my tits if you can, okay? Just pull it out and do it on my stomach and my tits if you can.
2: Yeah, no problem.
3: Are you all right, honey?
2: Oh, this is great. I'm fine. I just, you know, I just want to do good. I just want it to be really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering—is it okay if I really try to make it look sexy? That'd be okay. Okay. Great.
1: As opposed to uh, an exploitation movie, I haven't because you seen have it the yet, world yet, so... of porn. Oh, you're missing out, my friend. Um, the interesting thing in that movie is that, I don't know if that almost got nc C-17, it, maybe it didn't, maybe not, uh, well in that movie, uh, I don't know if I, well maybe I can spoil it. The very last shot of the movie, uh, is basically Mark Wahlberg recreating the ending of Raging Bull, where he's talking in a mirror and reciting, like, dialogue he's, his character's gonna have to do. Yeah. And then he whips out his 13-inch dick, um, which I I remember when I was uh, I saw that in the theater with my friends when we were way too young to be seeing that kind of movie. Yeah. And when he did that, we all turned our heads at the same time to look <laughs> away from it. Because we were such mature young people.
0: (laughs) It was like, no, we don't want to see that. That just made me think of what if that scene in Basic Instinct had the sexes (laughs) reversed.
1: If it was a Dirk Diggler dick.
0: If it was a a man who was wearing crotchless
1: pants. I'll have you come over sometime. We'll watch Bowie Nights. That sounds Um, like a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And the other thing that's interesting in that movie is they only really, they show little tiny bits here and there of like the actors uh, in you know performing in the in their porn film personas uh, but really the only time you see a full sex scene happen like and they have to do it because you know the film you know Paul Thomas Anderson has to show okay this is a real thing that they had to do but they you but he uses the camera itself as a way of showing it like you see the sex scene almost through like the lens and the camera fi- like the film going through the camera and it's like the power of suggestion there is actually really clever. Hmm. Like it almost has like, like a Hitchcock feel in a strange way. I don't know why that just came to me now, but you know what you don't see is, you know, pretty powerful. Um, yeah, uh, actually, you know what, uh, here's an interesting uh, movie to bring up in terms of 17, whether this should have been that or not, because they're actually two different cuts, and I haven't seen the R-Raid version of this, but Killer Joe. Yeah. That's a pretty disturbing movie. I remember <laughs> I remember showing that to One you, the... and you were visibly shaken by that.
0: I was... <laughs> you were
1: perplexed by that
0: movie. I was a little perplexed, but what I liked about Killer Joe was, at the beginning, all the characters seemed like horrible people. But as they, but as the movie went along, they developed more to where I could empathize with them a little bit more. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I kind of warmed up to it. But the climax and that one scene with chicken, <laughs> really, I really have
1: to wonder if that was what gave it the NC seventeen. It's like they didn't show a penis, but they definitely showed a chicken leg getting some head.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: It You know, if that's the final film that William Friedkin makes... I mean, he's kind of old now. He's almost 80. Yeah. Like, if that's the way he goes out, he went out proud.
0: <laughs> so, let's talk about... Let's close this up with final thoughts about sex in films. Okay. What can, uh, what can we hope for, I mean, more or less are we looking for maybe a sort of liber- uh, like further liberalization of ratings so that we can have like so we can have films like hysteria where unconventional sex isn't treated as taboo or is it more like we should be more accepting of those higher ratings
1: um a little I, from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, I I think because that, it doesn't
0: seem like there should be a reason for NC seventeen to not be shown in a lot of theaters. Well,
1: it's also well now. Well, that I think that also as the NC seventeen is going to be an interesting test coming up in the the year soon to come, where frankly there will be there. I I, I unfortunately have to admit this because I. I don't like to face this point because as a filmmaker myself, I I like to have a film show in a theater. A lot of independent films, if they don't get that theatrical distribution anyway, they're going to wind up on video on demand. At that point, you know, who cares if they're NC-17 or not? I mean, maybe a parent might have some sort of child block on their TV or settings or whatever, but by that point, How will the access to that that you'll you'll have freer access to that if anything than you would having to go see a movie and pay to see it in a theater? Yeah, so you're changing the method of distribution. If you're changing the method of distribution, that is one positive for films that couldn't be shown before in such a wide way. Now, you know what's to stop you aside from if you're a parent and you have your own sort of controls of that, but. I mean that's something that I think is gonna to to change the dynamic a bit you know if it's one thing when the m p a is dealing with films that are first getting released into theaters, people each have to pay a ticket to see it. if you have a movie that's straight to v o d and it's n c seventeen you know you can have yourself and a bunch of friends over to watch it, and that's a different dynamic right there,
0: yeah, I and mean, you make a you make really uh legitimate point, I mean, we were talking about the interview and about Video On Demand. Yeah. About uh, how they could get around their, uh, you know, the fact that the film wasn't being shown.
1: Uh, I mean, that was kind of... I have to think that's an extreme case. I'm I'm wondering if they're gonna... if they're really gonna look at that as sort of their model, because that was an, an extreme case where they had really planned that for theatrical. They had to put it to VOD. Um... Because of they didn't really have that much of a choice. huh? Um, but I wonder if they will use another film as a real test of that in the future.
0: Well, what it's certainly not going to be is this sort of big blockbuster.
1: No, no, exactly. Well, again, I brought up Snowpiercer. Now, I don't have the figures on that, but I know that, again, that was Harvey Weinstein trying to test, you know, what can this movie, which seems a little off-kilter as a genre film, what will this movie do if I really advertise it more as a VOD release as opposed to theatrical, and the money made in VOD is a bit different than when you release movies in theaters, the split is different, where you know, the theater will hold on to a, a, a chunk of change as opposed to the studio, but now with VOD, that split is different. That's much... And of course, theaters don't like that. No. I mean, and theaters want to survive because they... We'll get a lot of that change from movies being shown for a while.
0: Here's the wildly optimistic outcome of that: Okay. that NC-17 becomes a, a rating which theaters are going to explore more. Perhaps I think that I, in order to compete with video on demand, if this sort of blossoming of of erotic films comes to pass, right, because as you said earlier, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is a success whether it's good or not. Yeah, I mean, the thing and it is, shows uh, people's taste for something that's sexy.
1: It will really depend on, I mean, studio. The studio can look at Fifty Shades of Grey and say, "Okay, th- this book was a super duper mass blockbuster before it even, you know, we this was selling." I think I read a statistic that, like, two people were buying at the height of the craze for Fifty Shades of Grey, the book, two people per second. Around the world, were like buying this book. It sold like over a hundred million copies. Yeah. So you already have, you know, they, Hollywood's all about the property right now, unfortunately. Right. As opposed to searching original ideas. So I think what they're going to do first is what they're doing right now with the YA novel, you know. And you see a lot of knockoffs of because of The Hunger Games is so huge. Now we have the Divergent series and, and we have Maze, the Maze Runner. Runner, and we're probably going to get
0: like and The, the Giver
1: and the in the stroke my balls series. I don't know
0: <laughs> a remake of Lord of the flies.
1: Are they doing a remake of Lord of the flies?
0: I don't know. It makes I, sense. That they they've would.
1: already, but that's what the hunger games is. It's a remake of Lord, Lord of the flies. Really <laughs> mixed with battle Royale mixed with other side. But the point is, so Hollywood, looked I am at the number hunger four. Games. Yeah. I'm number four. Hollywood looked at The Hunger Games and saw, okay, there's a huge explosion right now for YA, um, so we're going to do that. I have to wonder if they'll try to see if there are any other really popular erotic books to try to adapt into movies.
0: And hopefully, we'll get a director who takes the uh, who takes er- who takes erotic filmmaking seriously.
1: Yeah, well, there are filmmakers who do, like uh, Pedro Almodovar, was someone mm-hmm. who I should have brought up earlier. He has made a lot of movies that take eroticism very seriously and very sexy at times, too. Uh, He made a movie in the early 90s with Antonio Banderas called Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. (laughs) You can imagine what that's about. Um, There's... uh, He made a movie uh, called uh, uh, Talk to Her, which uh, that has some good erotic stuff. Um, So there are people out there. You just need to find them. And... Let them take control of yeah. something seriously, and, and our, hope
0: that the weight of the of the property is able to get it that uh, that R rating that gets it wide distribution.
1: Yeah, and may, you know maybe it just depends on you know the other thing too when we talk about the modes of distribution. Also now you know people will put out an R-rated cut in theaters, and then put out their unrated cut later.
0: Yeah, the unrated cut has been around for a while, mm-hmm. uh, so that shouldn't be underestimated.
1: No, not, yeah, not at least, uh, you know, I haven't seen it, but I have to wonder if, uh, um, I, there, that Ridley Scott movie, The Counselor, uh, that movie had, well, I know you no love me up Ridley Scott.
0: No cut of The Counselor could <laughs> ever be released that'll make that film good.
1: Probably not, but I will give Ridley Scott credit this. He does have a scene in that movie where Cameron Diaz fucks a car.
0: I will give you that as well. Okay. Um, so Ridley if, Scott, you got creative stuff in there somewhere. Hopefully you finally get a script that you're interested <clears> in.
1: Yeah, so the point is, I hope that filmmakers will get a chance to express more eroticism, and maybe one last shot for Brian De Palma. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, Dress to Kill is another really erotic
0: movie. Alright. Well, I think we can wrap it up. Yes. uh, If you haven't seen Fifty Shades of Grey, go see it. Everybody else has. Judge for yourself. We're not going to tell you what to do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you run your life. And if you yeah. want to let us know what you thought of that movie or any of the other movies we talked about, you could send an email to uh, Jackgatinella at yahoo.com, and uh, I'll make sure to answer that on behalf of me and Andrew. Uh, the next week, uh, I'm not quite sure what I'll try to watch, um, but I have uh, more Paul Loy maybe on stock. I have uh, this movie called Compulsion with Orson Welles. Uh, um, and... Uh, I don't know. I guess that's pretty much.
0: Understood. I don't know either. I got a list to work off, and I've got i I've got your list too, so I'll figure out what I, I have, got.
1: I have miles to go before I sleep. Oh,
0: I have two movies that I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch Under the Skin, and then I'm gonna watch. Uh, I'm
1: very curious to hear what you have to say about
0: that. And then I'm gonna go. You don't.
1: Oh, and you talk about a movie with penis. Yeah. <laughs> Not spoiler.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm gonna watch <clears throat> Under the Skin, and I'm gonna watch You Don't Know Jack. Uh, the Al Pacino movie about Jack Kevorkian oh Uh, I happened to see that in my library I took took it out
1: I think you'll find that movie kind of interesting
0: alright good alright so this is Andrew this is Jack and let us remind you that the wages of cinema is death peace